0: Are you looking for a podcast that brings you all the latest news and analysis on the silver and black
1: car from under center, looks downfield, fires deep, complete Waller's got it. How about interviews with a list guests? Just pod baby. Congrats on a hundred
0: episodes. I'm happy for you guys. Keep doing your thing. And thanks for having me, man. It was a blast. Look no further. You are listening to just pod baby. A Las Vegas Raiders podcast, part of the Vegas sports today podcast network.
1: Henry The speed! Touchdown! Carr with another bomb! And now,
0: your host, Evan Grote.
1: Raider
2: Nation, let's go! Welcome back to another episode of Just Pod, baby. Part of the Vegas Sports Today podcast network. And be sure you are checking out the website, VegasSportsToday.com. The only independent news source that covers your Raiders, as well as all things Las Vegas sports, including the Vegas Golden Knights. Our hockey writer, Noah String, is doing an excellent job following it all with the Golden Knights. Also check out MMA coverage, boxing, WNBA, really good stuff going on over at VegasSportsToday.com. Um, I also want to plug another podcast that you should be listening to if you don't already. Silver and Black today, the podcast is back with our host, Scott Gilbranson. He's got two brand new episodes that are now available for you to download. So make sure you uh, are subscribing to that as well. Really great insight as always from Scott. And speaking of Scott, just a little bit of a teaser here. I want to make sure that you guys are tuning into both this podcast. So make sure you're subscribing here to Just Pod Baby as well as his Silver and Black Today podcast because in the very near future, we're going to be sharing some very exciting news with you guys, uh, something that both him and I are very excited about. And if you're a fan of this show and a fan of anything under the Vegas Sports Today brand, then you don't want to miss this. Uh, so stay tuned for that announcement that is coming very, very shortly. And, and last, please check out my website just below. PodBaby.com. You can find all of the podcast episodes over there, as well as some of my thoughts on the blog page. Um, You know, you can you can leave comments to me on on some of my blogs if you uh, agree or disagree, and also please reach out to me with any of your questions or comments. Um, Guests you'd like to hear, uh, topics you'd like to have discussed, or just general things you want to you know questions that you have for me that I'll bring up on air. Please contact me over at the contact page those uh, messages go directly to my email um, so I'm hoping to get some some fans or listeners I should say not fans uh, involved with the show in that way again that can be found over at justpodbaby.com okay let's dive into it now uh, this week Obviously, the Raiders wrapped up the final phase of the offseason program and mini camp uh, out in Henderson. It was in the blistering heat. I know you've, you've been hearing all about it, uh, but we're talking about temperatures above 110 degrees now for a week straight uh it's been brutal out there um coach gruden really had no other choice but to but to get the guys out there uh bright and early at 7:30 a.m uh to practice and, and and again no other options really you got to keep in mind player safety is a big part of this decision if they had waited till 10:30 11 o'clock to begin practice you could be dealing with temperatures anywhere you know between 10 and 15 degrees warmer um, and, and it's already uh, I because I was checking on my my phone even at 7:30 in the morning it's already 90 degrees out there you know 90 92 degrees so um, You know, and I know that some people have mentioned uh, the indoor facility as an option, but um, if you listen to uh, Raider Nation Radio with uh, Vinny Bonsignor, he has talked about the fact that, you know, the indoor facility is a beautiful option, but uh, it's a little small uh, to house 90 players right now, and they do have 90 men on the roster right now. So the indoor facility just isn't quite large enough to accommodate uh, all of those guys. It's much more. Fitting for the fifty-three man roster. Once the the roster is set and the season gets underway, uh, it just makes for a better option there with with a smaller uh, group of players. So outdoors it is, or outdoors it was this week for the Raiders seven thirty in the morning practice, and it sounds like it was a really productive, uh, not only mini camp but just off season in general for the Raiders. There was a great turnout for both the the voluntary portion of OTAs, as well as the mandatory sessions, uh, this past week, and you know, only a few players were not out there. So, so all good news coming out of Raiders headquarters. We did get the opportunity this week to hear from several players and coaches, including Derek Carr, uh, new defensive end Yannick Ngakwe, as well as. Uh, Defensive coordinator Gus Bradley and head coach John Gruden. And and what I want to do this week, uh, we don't have a guest. It'll just be uh, you and I this week. I do want to spend some time focusing on the defense and and specifically some of the comments made by uh, Yannick Ngakaway as well as uh, Gus Bradley. I'm also going to be kind of sprinkling in some audio uh, from my appearance on Raider Nation Radio this week with uh, Vinny Bonsignor in the huddle as well. So let's start with uh, Ngakaway. Um, and and some of my takeaways from him and his uh, time with the media, uh, he was not a participant in, in OTAs. And that was kind of, um, I think that was something that might have maybe rubbed some in the fan base the wrong way that they feel or they felt that a new player uh, on a new team signed a pretty decent contract. He should be out there, right? He should be out there getting reps, getting to know his new teammates, and you know, personally, I didn't look too much into that, but I know there were some rumblings out there um, on social media that I saw. You know, he's an established player in the league with it with a track record of some success, and uh, you know, with that success comes a certain level of clout. And so he was he was excused from OTAs, uh, but he was out there uh, for camp and and uh, he did also uh, participate in in Von Miller's. Uh, Past Rush Academy that was held out in Las Vegas as well. And, and, and you know, from all accounts, uh, what what we have seen on social media pictures and, and video clips and whatnot he looks great uh, physically he's he's added some weight he's up from uh about 246 to what he was listed at last year to uh what he says 258 and if you i'm sure you saw the photo that he posted on social media he looks he looks great um he here's a little bit of what he had to say about that added weight when he was uh, asked about that this week uh with the media
3: i was never given a target uh weight but um at the end of the day, I just uh, collected my all my thoughts and uh, everything that I went through as far as Minnesota and Baltimore. And I just wanted to uh, critique myself and see where I could be a better player at. And I feel like, you know, putting more muscle on and still keeping that lean mass will help me be effective. And I'm definitely not the same player uh, that was on those two teams. So um, that's the main reason why I did. I was just trying to get better, man. The more weight, the more weight you have and the more you can uh, carry it, I feel like the more effective you can be at my position.
2: So those of you who were at all concerned about this man. he's He's been working hard over the winter and over the uh, early parts of the spring here in the offseason. He seems like a real motivated player and, and that's that's always a, a real good thing, of course. Um, and as, I, as I've mentioned before, I think this is a, an important part to keep in mind here with Ngakwe. He's still only 26 years old and, and the Raiders signed him to a two-year deal. It was uh, $26 million, so $13 million a year. And uh, you know, if you've followed him at all, throughout his career he's been looking to land that that monster payday and it just hasn't quite come yet um and i think he's still going to be seeking that um he's going to be playing extremely hard and uh extremely motivated not that he wouldn't play that way anyways because that's one of the things that he's known for is his his high energy high motor Um, but he knows that he could very well hit the open market again at the age of 28 which is still relatively young in the league and if he wants to land you know that that big contract or at least one more uh really good contract he still is going to have the opportunity to do that if he can put together two really productive years uh with the Raiders so I, I think that that bodes very well for the Raiders and the other big takeaway uh, from Ngakwe's time with the media what were some of his comments about his new teammate and fellow defensive end Max Crosby. If you missed some of those comments take a listen now.
3: I think that uh, Max and myself are the best duo that's going to come hit the scene and I'm already putting that out there and I feel like the NFL has uh you know they kind of shot away from that and that's cool but uh Max is a hard worker he's a guy that uh Putting the work, literally, I'm just I'm lifting weights right now. Max is in there doing things to get better, so it's the dedication and commitment. And I can play all day with a guy like that.
2: So, some really bold statements there by Ngakaway. And I gotta say, you know, honestly, I, I, I don't think he's wrong, I don't think he's that far off. And I've you know, I put some thought into it uh, in the last couple of days. I even reached out to a good friend of our show and frequent co host, Momo, and we were texting about this uh, a little bit. Uh, I don't see why he can't why this group can't crack the top five, but I'm going to um, while we're on the topic, uh, I kind of created a, a, a list of, of some of the other top tandems, pass rushing tandems from the edge. Uh, In the NFL, and these guys aren't in any particular order, but uh, some of the some of the tandems that I came up with were Preston Smith and Zardarius Smith out in Green Bay. And I know that Preston Smith didn't have huge numbers last year in 2020, but the 2019 these two were pretty productive and they're still a very, very good group to deal with. Uh, What about Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead in San Francisco? I think uh, we saw what these two can do in 2019 on their Super Bowl run, and, and we know Bosa was hurt last year with the knee. But uh, when both of these guys are healthy, um, you know, look out. And I'm also going to throw uh, another guy on this list: um, Miles Garrett. And last year it was uh, Vernon Olivier who was across from him. This year it's going to be Jadavion Clowney. Um, I think that Miles Garrett is so good that uh, you know it doesn't really matter who's lining up opposite of him, it's, it's, it's going to be a good tandem because, uh, Garrett is that good. He, he, he commands that much attention that whoever it should be on the opposite side of him is going to get, uh, is going to get, you know, is going to be able to eat as they say. Um, you know, if Cleveland can get a motivated clowny, a healthy clowny, then that, that group could absolutely wreak some havoc. Um, you know, I believe Garrett, he might be the best pass rusher in the league, not named Aaron Donald. That's, that's how highly I think of Garrett. He, he's just an absolute stud. Uh, I've got a few more combos for you. What about J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones? Now, I know these two have not actually lined up together yet, but if you're basing it off of their their past and their history well, of what they were able to do individually, and now you're bringing these two together, that could, that could be a dangerous combination as well. Uh, I think you have to have Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul on that list, um, you can't sleep on uh, Bradley Chubb and Von Miller in Denver. The Raider fans know that very well. And, uh, you know, Pittsburgh's always going to have something going on, kind of like what I mentioned with Miles Garrett. When you have T.J. Watt lining up on one side, you're always going to have uh, something good going on there. So, again, whoever it is that lines up uh, opposite of him will, will always give you a chance to be one of the top tandems in the league. And, you know, I want to throw out one more combination um uh, 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 of names here, these guys are a little young, but I would not be surprised to see these guys at the very top of this list as early as this this upcoming season. I really would not, and I'm talking about the two young pass rushers um, out of Washington, Montez Sweat and Chase Young. These two guys are just starting to scratch the surface of their potential, and I I think uh, I think they could be very very dangerous, uh, you know. And I'm sure that I'm leaving off a couple other. Really good tandems, but those were the kind of the first few that came to mind for me. And you know, getting back to the original point about Crosby and Ngakoue, um, I absolutely think that they can they could be in the same league as, as some of these tandems that I just mentioned and and Max you know he doesn't carry that that name recognition as some of the other players that I mentioned on this list but then you got to look at the numbers uh, 17 sacks in his first two seasons that's that's pretty pretty respectable and you know he had the 10 sacks in his rookie year kind of came out of nowhere and I think the expectations were were pretty high for him going into year 2 and he he ended the season with with the 7 sacks and that, and I thought that was he did that kind of quietly right he kind of he kind of flew under the radar um you know he did he did also register 32 pressures which ranked him 18th in the NFL and that's according to a pro football reference and keep in mind he did so he did that while playing through injuries he was he was banged up last year he had a labrum issue with the shoulder he needed off season surgery to have a metal plate inserted into his hand i believe uh if i'm not mistaken it was the hand it might have been the wrist but there was a metal plate inserted somewhere um, so, considering seven sacks, thirty-two pressures, that's a pretty decent season. And consider the fact that he had no help along that defensive line, no, no help from the interior, and uh, nothing, you know, opposite of him that was able to to really get some pressure consistently. And so, you know, if, if there is an area that would that you would like to see Max improve on uh, in in year three, would be to be a little bit more efficient with with the amount of snaps that he's given now. In 2020, he did play a lot. He played a lot, and he played hurt, which is, which is great. You, you love guys that are willing to gut it out there, but uh, just not super efficient. 905 snaps and um, you know only 32 pressures. Now, just to give you some some reference, I'll give you some examples of some of the other players in the league. Um, I'm going to start with TJ Watt. He led the NFL with 61 pressures, and he did that in only, well, I shouldn't say only, 855 snaps. Now, obviously, TJ Watt is is the cream of the crop. He led the league in sacks and pressure. So I wanted to give you the, kind of the top end of it. Um, I'm going to slide down to number two on the pressures list. That's Joey Bosa of the Chargers. He was second in the league in pressures uh, with 45. Now, pretty pretty remarkable. He accomplished that number uh, that number of pressures in in far less snaps. 549 snaps. I think he only played in 12 games. So. You can kind of see the the uh, you know efficiency level of Joey Bosa it's generating forty five pressures and only five hundred and forty nine snaps. That's pretty darn good. And then Shaq Barrett, who uh, I think he was ranked sixth in pressures, forty two pressures in eight hundred and twenty two snaps. So you know, just to kind of give you some reference, that is an area though that you'd like to see Max improving. And I went back and looked at his rookie season versus his sophomore season. Um, played 155 less snaps in his rookie season and finished with only one less pressure. So um, definitely an area that you'd like to see Max do a little bit better in. And, and I, I would think with the addition of Ngakwe to go along with uh, Cleveland Farrell, and, and hopefully Malcolm Kuntz, who, who will be a contributor, and, and Carl Nassau will have a bounce-back year. You might see Max play less snaps, maybe a lesser role. Therefore, he'll be uh, more fresh, a little bit more energetic, hopefully stays a little bit healthier, and you will see some of those pressure numbers go up as the snaps actually come down. That's kind of what you're hoping to see. Um, but as far as Yannick and Max as a tandem, I'm expecting at least 20 sacks from these two guys, right? I would say 20 sacks is a good uh marker for these two. And with those sacks, I'm absolutely hoping to see some some big game-changing plays, some some forced fumbles, some sacked fumbles, right? These are the types of plays that this defense needs in order to get where they need to be. Um and you know, Max has never had a guy that has lined up on the opposite side of him on the other end that can do the things that Ngakwe can do. So I, I do believe this could be the best pass rush, at least from, I'm talking about players off the edge, um, that we've seen since Khalil Mack, and Bruce Irvin back in the 2016 and 2017 seasons. Um, Now the final point on this topic, I I was on, um, as I mentioned, Raider Nation Radio this week with Vinny on in the huddle, and we discussed this topic. We discussed Ngakwe's influence on the defensive line, the pass rush, and uh, and how this tandem uh, could work with Max Crosby. If you didn't hear it, I'm going to play a little bit for you now. Evan,
1: I give Yannick Ngakwe a lot of credit. Um, you know his arrival here uh, with the Raiders in Las Vegas. You know uh, there, there, there. It came with some sense of he might be, you know, nudging Max Crosby aside. It, Max Crosby is going to be an important and focal and uh, integral part of this defense, but his role might change just because they signed a player that kind of plays the same position as he does, right? So, um, and 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 so the, there could be some awkwardness sometimes along with that. I thought unique was very shrewd and it kind of gave you a glimpse of who he is as a person and as a teammate to really come out today strongly uh, and saying and including max crosby hey whatever success i have it's going to be an us thing we together max and i can be a tandem that's as good if not better than anyone in the nfl i really think that it was important and shrewd and significant that he had the the awareness and the self-awareness that hey, um, you know, this could be awkward or we could really turn this into something special and I could be part of that or I could be in charge of that by how I approach this. What do you think of Unique's or or what do you think of Unique's approach with he and Max Mm Crosby?
4: Yeah, you know, it's really hard not to be excited about the addition uh, of a guy in Ikin Gakaway, you know, one of the premier pass rushers in the league, and he's only 26 years old. He still might have some, some his better years or might be ahead of him still. You know, and he, and he brings something to the defense that has been missing really since... Uh, The departure of Khalil Mack, and and that's just a legitimate threat on the edge that opposing offensive coordinators, you know, you've got a game plan for him. You have to know where he is at all times, and and on top of that, as you mentioned about Max Crosby, he's going to help benefit a lot of these other guys along that defensive line. Hopefully, a Cleveland Sparrow, a Carl Nassib, and a M- as well. But I, I think the biggest beneficiary, and he talked about it today, will be Max Crosby. Finally, Crosby's going to have a guy lined up on the other side of him that's going to be able to consistently, you know, dial up some pressure. And that should really open up things for Crosby. And and, and now what they need uh, is they need to be able to get something from the interior. I'm talking about Quentin Jefferson, Darius... Darius Phylon, you know, those are the guys I'm talking about. If they can get that done, now this defense is cooking with some gas. But, yeah, I'm really excited about everything that I'm hearing out of Henderson about Ngakwe in regards to his, his work ethic, uh, the leadership that he's going to bring to this defense, uh, again, the legit, legitimate threat. And, and on top of all of that, as you were kind of alluding to, it sounds like he's a really good person and, and a great teammate. So I am expecting some, some big things from him this year.
2: Okay, so those were some of my thoughts on the topic. Let me know what you think. How many sacks do you expect from the combination of Max Crosby and Anikin and Gakaway? Do you think they can be one of the top pass rush duels in the NFL? Reach out to me. Let me know what you think. Contact me on Twitter at e 5 or reach out to me on the website podbaby.com. Let me know what you think. Okay, one final topic before we wrap it up here this week, Gus Bradley. Now, as I have said many times before, I'm going to say it again. Of all the changes that were made to the defense this offseason, by far the most important move that was made was bringing in Gus Bradley. Now, Gunther's system, we all know it was just not a fit here. Uh, He was never able to get the defense to play with any togetherness. Um, it, 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 was, it was clear that there were miscommunications happening on a regular basis. It was a major issue, players not knowing what to do, a lot of confusion. And, and that doesn't help when there's a lack of talent out there as well. I don't want to put all of the blame on Gunther. I do think, and I will continue to, to say this. I think there was a personnel issue as well. Um, but in comes Gus Bradley, in comes and and Hayward, and Jefferson, and Thomas, and Phylon, uh, Trayvon Morig. Help is on the way, right? They've brought in some people, some bodies here that you would think would be an upgrade, right? That's the plan anyways. But the key to all of this coming together is Gus Bradley. He's the key to the whole operation. Having some added talent and, and some experience, yes, that will help. That should help. But you need to have a guy at the helm, the mastermind, who can coordinate all of this. Who can bring them together as individuals and get them to play as one cohesive unit. That's the key. To get them all to be on the same page, knowing what their assignments are. And that job is up to Gus Bradley. And we know that he brings it with him, some high quality assistants in Ron Miles and Richard Smith. But the time is now for this defense... The front office has invested a lot of draft picks in recent years and money in free agency. And so it's time for this group to come together. And and there's been some misses in free agency. The jury is still out with some of the draft picks. But Bradley and his staff, they got to get it fixed. They got to get it fixed. They got to salvage some of these players who were brought in. And there is pressure. There is pressure on this organization to win now. You can sense that when you listen to the players talk and the coaches talk. The attitude and the mentality is different. And you know, we know that each in the last two seasons, they were they were in the mix at the midpoint. Six and three, six and four, maybe a little ahead of schedule, maybe. And yes, there were flaws. We knew that. We knew the defense was still poor. And despite that, they still were able to get to a 6-3 and three and 6-4 and four record, only to crumble down the stretch. But there's no excuses this year. And so with an offense that ranked top 10 in scoring, yeah, sure, they need to improve. There's areas where they need to improve well. Protecting the ball, right? Less turnovers. They got to be better in the red zone. How is that offensive line going to hold up, right? Right definitely areas of improvement, but the success of this 2021 season all rides on how much will the defense improve? How many more turnovers can they generate? Can they get after the quarterback better and generate pressure and create more game changing plays? In my opinion, That is what will define this 2021 season for the Raiders. Now, the last thing I want to do here is play audio from Coach Bradley. When he was asked about the battle at Slot Corner, and I think this is going to be one of the bigger camp battles that we need to be keeping our eyes on here as training camp approaches in late July. Here's what he had to say on the topic.
0: Yeah, I think right now there's a lot that we put on that plate. So at the nickel spot, you're seeing a lot of guys rotate in there. But um, you know, guys like Lawson has really jumped out. I, I think he's a guy that has picked up very well on it. Uh, a Meek we got playing there. He, he's doing he's doing a nice job on the inside. The guy that's probably really jumped out as is Hobbs, the kid from Illinois. Uh, very impressed with him. I think he's come in with a real good knowledge of the position. So his learning curve has is, is, uh, really jumped up. So there, there's a couple guys right there that work there. Uh, the, the safety position, um, you know, at free safety, both Gillespie and Trey, both those guys are, you know, until we get the bullets flying, you know, walk through, you know, they're, they're fighting that boredom back there of just playing in our defense where, you know, doing the same thing over and over again. But, but I like their Mindset, some of the things in individual that we're seeing, but uh, you know we're holding off judgment on those two guys until we get more in the pads.
2: All right, so those were some of Coach Bradley's comments there on the slot position, and you know he also mentioned a little bit there about the uh, rookie safeties Trayvon Morig and Tyree Gillespie. Gillespie apparently is really turning heads out there, so it's great to hear. But you know the one player he did not mention when discussing the slot cornerback position. You got it, Damon Arnett. He did not mention Damon Arnett. Now, I'm just putting two and two together here. Last week, we heard from Casey Hayward, and he says he is playing, practicing, only on the outside. Only on the outside, and he did not sound like a player who had any interest in uh, playing the slot cornerback position. Now, one would think Hayward is running with the ones. Perhaps he is getting work on the outside with the twos. That's a possibility. He didn't say... Yeah, I'm working on the outside only with the twos. He didn't say that. I'm assuming it's the ones. Maybe it's Arnett who's with the ones on the outside. We don't really know. We can't be certain. I am assuming at this point that Casey Hayward is the starting cornerback opposite of Trayvon Mullen, which leaves Damon Arnett, the odd man out. Now, naturally, you would think then, OK, OK, they're going to move Arnett to the slot. After all, they did invest a first round draft pick in this kid a year ago. But not a mention, not a mention when the defensive coordinator met with media this week. Instead, it was mention of this year's rookie, Nate Hobbs, who was really shining at camp. Trayvon Mullen also pointed him out as a kid who was turning heads. It was last year's rookie fifth-round pick, Amik Robertson, who was mentioned by Gus Bradley, who was doing a nice job, along with the veteran, Nevin Lawson. So I don't know how you feel about it. I have to admit, I'm concerned. And uh, with a little bit more of my comments, here is, uh, again, some of the conversation that I had with Vinny Bonsignor on this topic from my appearance this week on Raider Nation Radio. Take a listen.
1: as it relates to the defense and it relates to Casey Hayward, we talked about this last week or or might have been the week before uh, I think it was last week, but uh, how Casey Hayward, it sure sounds like he wants to remain on the outside Um, and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Um, There was an assumption that maybe David Arnett could move inside he's played that position at Ohio State the sense that I get um, as of right now uh, that might not be uh, in the cards as well Um, so what happens to Damon Arnett if Casey Hayward uh, is the starter on the on the outside? And it sure sounds like, talking to Gus Bradley today, guys like Amik Robertson, guys like Nate uh, Hobbs, the rookie from Illinois, are starting to make a move uh, in that cornerback room and specifically at that slot cornerback position. But when the dust settles, what do you think is going to happen with Damon Arnett? You know,
4: that's a great question. And we and we did talk about this topic last week. And, you know, I, I try not to make too much uh, from what we're hearing from, you know, OTAs and mini-camp practices, but it is all we have to go on right now, and You know, I I do expect some things to change once these guys get into pads. Um, You know, Arnett was talked about as a physical player and those types of things, so maybe he'll shine a little bit more once the pad comes on. But I am concerned. I I still am concerned about Damon Arnett. Um, You know, I'll say it again. I scratched my head when they made him the the 19th overall pick in in the draft. Um, You know, he struggled in year one. He he dealt with the injuries, you know, the setbacks that he dealt with. We are well-documented at this point. But, you know, based on what we've been hearing uh, out of camp, you know, Mini minicamp. I'm not sure I have gained any more confidence in him. Uh, that's for sure. And, you know, it's concerning both in the short term and long term because in the short term, while, you know, it's still early in his career, he's only in year two, You know, you hate to see the organization make big swings and misses with first-round picks, and then in the long term, you know, if if Arnett should not uh, come around here in year two and year three, well, then you're kind of getting back to the drawing board again, and and you're you're you know throwing throwing darts at the wall again, hoping something sticks to try to find yourself a long-term solution at cornerback to play alongside uh, Trayvon Mullen. But you know, as far as uh, Arnett right now, you, you hope that. Uh, you hope that the competition that he's going to be involved here with, with, with guys like Hobbs and, and Robertson and, uh, you know, Nevin Lawson, hopefully that brings out the best in him. And, and that's that's what the, the plan has been with this defense, is to bring in more depth and more talent and, and more competition. So you, you, you hope that kind of lights a fire under a player like Damon Arnett.
2: You know, that pick, that pick, yes, I know it's early, but gosh, that pick is not looking good right now. And yes, it's still very early. I'm not gonna write a kid off after one, you know, injury riddled season where he didn't have OTAs or minicamp. Uh, you know, a COVID season, the COVID plagued season. There was a lot going on for rookies in the league, but it sounds like this kid has a long ways to go. Uh, But for me, uh, the slot cornerback position is going to be one of the marquee positional battles that you're going to want to keep your eye on uh, in training camp. All right, guys time to say goodbye this week. Thank you for tuning in. As always, please make sure to follow me on Twitter at eGroat5. Subscribe to the podcast, please, if you don't already. Get over to the website, JustPodBaby.com. Let, you know, let me know what you think about that. Also, VegasSportsDay.com as well for all your latest information on not only the Raiders, but all things Vegas sports as well. And I want to wish all the dads out there a happy Father's Day. And until the next time, I am Evan Grote, and as always... Just win, baby.